In Matthew 24, 2, now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age. We learn there will be false Christs who will come and bring great deception. There will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. There will be false prophets who will rise up and deceive many. One of the signs that we're living in the last days is there will be earthquakes in various places. In Exodus 38, the prophet Ezekiel prophesies of a northern confederation. Gog and Magog, the prince of Rush, Meshach, and Tubal will come against the nation of Israel. Listen to me right now. For the first time in my lifetime, in my 56 years on this planet, Russia, Syria, Turkey, Iran, and many of those confederated groups are on the northern border of Israel in Syria. And there's, there's tension now between Israel and Russia because Russia is claiming that, Syria, that Israel is being too aggressive towards Syria because what's happening is Hezbollah, which is the proxy of Iran, Iran is secretly flying in missiles and, and all kinds of uh, things that could bring harm to Israel. Listen, Iran has designs on marching to Jerusalem and freeing Jerusalem for the Islam from the hands of Christians and from the hands of the Jews. They're the sworn enemy of Israel and the Jewish people. They hate the Jewish people. And listen, and for the first time in our lifetime, Gog and Magog and the Prince of Rush are on the northern border of Israel. I've come to tell you we're in the last days. This thing is wrapping up. Jesus is coming back. We must be ready. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Listen what's going to happen in verse 18. And it will come to pass at the same times when God comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord, that my fury will show in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath I have spoken, surely in that day there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel, so that the fish of the sea, the birds of the heaven, the beasts of the field, and all creeping things that creep on the earth, and all men who are on the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. The mountains shall be thrown down, the steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground. The prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 24:20, the earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard, and shall totter like a but its transgression shall be heavy upon it, and it will fall and not rise again. In Mark 13, 8, For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. We are living in the beginning of sorrows. This is the closing out hours of time. The times of the Gentiles are coming to a close. Jesus is coming. He's preparing his bride. He's getting us ready. And we cannot be distracted. We cannot be falling away. We must be falling into an altar and crying out to God and saying oh God have mercy on my family oh God have mercy on our church have mercy on our city have mercy on our nation have mercy on the nations of the earth and we must preach this gospel while there's time to preach we must declare it from the rooftops we must declare it from the radio stations we must declare it from the television stations we must declare it on the internet we must preach it from the pulpits and we must declare that we are living in the last days and there's a great shaking that's coming on this earth in Revelation 6, 12, it prophesies of a future earthquake when the sixth seal is opened. John the Revelator wrote about a great earthquake that will take place at the Battle of Armageddon. In Revelation 16, 16 through 18, and they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were noises and thunderings and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake. Such a mighty and great earthquake has not occurred since men were. We're on the earth. So we see the purpose of earthquakes 
and the prophecy of earthquakes that are come. But let me just finish this up with the power of an earthquake. The earthquake of Revelation chapter 16 will totally change the landscape. The mountains will vanish and the islands will flee. There will be power released in the shaking. When Jesus cried, it is finished on the cross, there was an earthquake that struck the city of Jerusalem. I don't believe it went anywhere else. I believe it hit that city right there. In Matthew chapter 27, verses 51 through 53, Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earthquake and the rocks were split and the graves were open. When the spirit of life, Jesus said, remember when Mary came and said, if you'd been here, my brother Lazarus wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Listen, when he cried, it is finished. The earth began to reel to and fro. Rocks were open and that veil that separated the holy of holies that only the high priest could enter one time a year. I'm telling you from top to bottom it was torn asunder. It was torn in two pieces and the holy of holies was open to us. And that's why the Hebrew writer said we can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain help in the time of need. Because there's a new and a living way. The blood makes a way for you and I now to go into the holy of holies. The most holy place and talk to the Lord. And this has always been a mystery to me, but the Bible said the graves were open. There was a resurrection that took place at the very death of the Lord. This earthquake shook, and it had such power. Listen, this wasn't a normal earthquake because plates were moving underneath the earth. This was a spirit quake, and the graves opened. Now, you think about if that happened. We were over here near Greenwood Memorial Gardens. There's a great earthquake takes place, and graves open, and Grandpa knocks on the door. You know what I believe? I can't prove this. This is just my opinion. But I believe when Jesus ascended up into the heavens, he took those that he resurrected with him and said, Father, I've brought a first fruits. See, he's the first fruit from the dead. The grave couldn't hold him. And when the, he cried, it is finished. I'm telling you, the earth shook and the dead. I'm praying, Lord, that there'll be a spiritual earthquake that will hit this. And people who are backslidden, people who are dead in the trespasses of sin, people who once had a relationship with God, but they've fallen away and they're no longer serving the Lord, that this earthquake will so touch them that it will open up the grave that's held them in bondage. And they'll walk out of that grave free by the power of the Holy Ghost. And then there's a second earthquake. Three days, two earthquakes. But you think about this, Matthew 28, verse 2. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. I'd never seen this before. The angel brought the earthquake. I hadn't seen it that way before. When the angel descended, did you see this wasn't a normal earthquake. This didn't register on the Richter scale. It was a spirit quake. God has a spirit quake for you today. It was an earthquake that took place at the resurrection of our Lord. These are not just natural happenings, but they're spiritual events. There's two more spirit quakes recorded in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 4, you remember the, the apostles were in prison. And the Bible said the angel went and led them out of prison, and they went up in the temple and were preaching. And they brought them before the council. And they had a debate on the council, so they beat them and let them go, and they said, you can no longer preach in the name of Jesus. So they went back to the house where the church was praying. And listen to what happens in verse 27. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you have anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your soul servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed... 
the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. As they prayed, the place began to shake. It wasn't a natural phenomenon. It was a spirit quake. May we have a spirit quake this morning. May we have a spirit quake that comes and shakes us out of our slumber and moves us this morning in such a way that we'll be filled and refilled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And we will speak the Word of God once again with great boldness. Then in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas in prison, beaten in solitary confinement in the most secure part of that prison because they were threatening they could cast out demons. All they did was cast out a demon and a little slave girl and set her free. And because it cost those who were trafficking in her corrupted gift, it cost them their profit. They were falsely accused and put into prison. But the Bible said at the midnight hour, glory to God. At the midnight hour, they begin to sing praises under the Most High God. They begin to extol His virtues. They begin to lift up the name of Jesus. They begin to pray, and the Bible said, sing hymns. And the prisoners were listening and watching and listening to what they would do. And all of a sudden, a spirit quake come. And it shook that prison, glory to God. And it shook that prison until every chain was broken, until every lock was unlocked until every door that held those prisoners in confinement was open, that was a spirit quake. That wasn't a natural phenomenon. It didn't register on the Richter scale, but it registered in heaven because it was a move of God's Spirit. May we experience a move of God's Spirit like they did in Acts chapter 16 and Acts chapter 4 and Matthew 28. And may every chain be broken, every prison door be open, and may you and I be filled and refilled and overflow with the presence of God. What's the key? We praise Him and we worship Him. We're in the midnight hour. History is about to climax. The greatest event is still yet to come. I like to think about the rapture some days. It's a doctrine that's taken a lot of abuse lately. But I still believe it because it's in God's Word. I like to think about that trumpet blast. It'll render every satellite useless. Cell phones won't work. Radar will go down. Computer systems will be blown up. And there'll be a shout so loud that it'll wake the dead. We're at midnight. Jesus is coming. He's coming very soon. Stand with me. In a preaching magazine sermon called Easter as an Earthquake, William Willimon concluded with these words. He said, in the 50s in China, there was a devastating earthquake. But as a result of the quake, a huge boulder was dislodged from a mountain, thus exposing a great cache of wonderful artifacts from a thousand years ago. A new world suddenly became visible. When the stone rolled away and the earth shook, we got our first glimpse of a new world, a world where death doesn't have the last word, a world where injustice is made right and the innocent suffering is vindicated by the intrusion of a powerful God. The woman came out to the cemetery to write one more chapter in the long, sad story of death's ascendancy, one more episode of how the good always gets it in the end. This is the way the world ends, not with a bang, but a whimper of resignation at death's dark victory. And then the earth heaved, an angel appeared, the strong rolled away, Caesar's soldiers shook. The angel plopped himself down on the stone in one final act of defiance of death. And the soldiers and all that and said to the women, 
Don't be afraid. You're looking for Jesus. He isn't here. Then the angel turned to the soldiers and said, Be afraid. Everything your world is built on is being shaken. Nobody went back the same way they came. Don't be afraid today. Because Jesus is alive and well. And he lives in our hearts. But if you don't know him, be afraid. Because the world we live in is going to be shaken. Shaken to its core. We must be ready. Every head's bowed. Every eye's closed for a moment. I don't want to preach a message like this today. And just walk out the door. I want to give you an opportunity. One of the things the Lord said to us this year is that prodigals would come home. Prodigals would come home. It's time for the prodigals to come home. It's time for those who've wandered, those who've slipped away, those who are living on the edge. It's time to come home to the cross. It's time to come home to Jesus. It's time to serve him with your whole heart. The Bible said two will be at the well. One will be taken and the other left. Two will be in a bed. One will be taken and the other left. I don't want to be left behind. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to warn you. It's a difference in fear and in a sober warning. My question today is will you be ready? Should the trumpet sound today, will you be ready? Will you be ready? If everything around you is being shaken, can you declare I'm a child of the King and I will not be shaken? Are you ready today? Are you ready? There's a spirit of conviction hovering over this house today. You might brush me aside. You might say, I'll do it later. But if you leave here today, you're going to have to push the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit aside. Because Jesus is walking these aisles today. Oh, I feel such a, such a, such a presence today. Pray in the Spirit, church. Just pray quietly in the Spirit. How about it, my friend? How about it, my friend? Are you ready? Have you made your preparations? See, I'm not your judge. And I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm just asking you, are you ready? And all you have to do to be ready is simply open the door of your heart and invite Jesus to come in. It's that simple. It's that simple. <laughs> While every head's bowed, every eyes closed, please. For a moment. Is it well with your soul? If the Lord were to come today, would you be ready? You say, I'm not sure, Pastor. I don't know. Very quickly, would you just lift up your hand? 
Say, pray for me. Pray for me. I'm not coming to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. How about it, friend? How about it? How about it? How about it? Can we just lift our hands and our hearts today? I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I want to lead you in a prayer today. And I want everybody that would in this room to pray this prayer with me. Hallelujah. Come on, pray it out loud. Pray it with me. Father, I repent. I renounce my sins. Forgive me. Wash me clean. Come into my heart. Come into my life. I receive you as my Savior. And by faith, I declare I'm saved. Hallelujah. Can we lift our hands? If you'll embrace that, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to feel clean inside can we come and gather around this altar together there's such a presence of the Lord I feel such a presence from the Lord Give us a spirit quake. <laughs> Give us a spirit quake. Who has a lost loved one that needs to be saved? Who's believing God for family members? Now listen, I'm, I've been in church my whole life. My mother watched Billy Graham. Her daddy was a godly man, preacher of the gospel. And her with two babies, watching Billy Graham, she prayed and rededicated her life to the Lord. She started a church and she took us to church our whole lives. Started out in a Baptist church, went to the altar and dedicated her two sons to the Lord. Gave us back to God. It may be why I'm in ministry today. Went and got in a Pentecostal hole in this church and Clara Hicks was preaching. Anybody remember Clara Hicks? Bob and Clara, two of my heroes. 
and she got sanctified. And then went over to a little church of God, almost a mission in those days. It's not the biggest church on that side of town. One of the largest in the city. And a lady by the name of Shirley Green, she's Cheryl Green's cousin, was preaching a six-week revival. And on the first night, my Aunt Shirley got filled with the Holy Spirit. They was reading Gordon Lindsay's book on the Holy Spirit. Blown to my, my oldest aunt. And the second night, my mother got filled with the Holy Spirit. My Aunt Stella said, I want my book back. <laughs> Y'all getting filled. And the next night, my Aunt Stella got filled with the Holy Spirit. Three sisters in three nights. That's a spirit quake. And it was all over with then. I got raised up in this thing. And as a little boy, I got a taste of it. Mm. A few weeks ago, my daughter went to England and she brought me back some King's Blend coffee from Fortnum and Mason. You can't buy it in the States without paying about $50 worth of shipping. And I'm almost to the point to pay the shipping because I hadn't had a good cup of coffee since. Dunkin' Donuts can't touch this. I drank that coffee and I've had a taste for it ever since I thought, Lord, I, gotta, I, gotta, I either got to go to England and get some coffee. I might empty all my clothes out and, eat and just come back with cans of coffee. And I got just enough to make a, a little batch left and I keep saving it. I think I got to save that. I can't just, I got a taste for it. Listen, once you get a taste of the things of God... You can't go back to the filth of the pig pen of the world. Once you get a taste for the things of the Holy Ghost, there is no going back. Listen to me. I want you this morning to lift your hands. I'm going to come and lay hands on some people because the fire of God's about to flow through this place. And he's about to touch us and we're going to get a taste of heaven. And we will never be the same again. Lift your hands and begin to praise him.